George manages a small trucking company. On a recent Monday morning, around 6 a.m., an employee alerted him with a problem. He was having trouble using his computer, so George investigated. At first, he thought a garden-variety virus had infected the computer. But this was no ordinary virus. The antivirus software was disabled, and all the files were encrypted. The same had happened to all the other computers left on over the weekend, as well as to the server. The hackers left notes and text files to begin the process of attempting to extort the carrier. This was a ransomware attack, and the hackers wanted $300,000. From FreightWaves, this is Long Haul Crime Log, a podcast about the dark side of the trucking industry. I'm Nate Tabak in Toronto, Canada. And I'm Clarissa Hawes in Kansas City, Missouri. Today on the show, we take you inside a ransomware attack on a small trucking company. Ransomware attacks have become a big problem in the industry. Attackers have targeted carriers big and small. The attacks can cripple transportation operations. That's what happened to Forward Air in December. And increasingly, the hackers behind them are stealing data too. And in some cases, they're getting an alarming degree of access. And that's actually what happened to George's trucking company. The hackers breached the company's transportation management system, or TMS. And that's basically the nerve center of a modern trucking and logistics company. So what kind of data did they did the hackers get access to? The hackers' interest in the TMS was really just about the customer data. And what they did is that a couple weeks after the attack, they, they sent some pictures and evidence of the kind of data they had stolen. And so they included two shots from within their uh, Ascend TMS, which is the, the system that they use and it's widespread in the trucking industry. And it was basically just a, like a list of a bunch of their customers, with contact information and, so, and some other information along those lines. What it basically showed was that they were inside that. And the whole premise of them showing that is that this was about a week or two after this attack had happened, that threatening to release this information onto the, uh, onto the dark web if they didn't pay the ransom. And so from the hacker's standpoint, they didn't seem to concern themselves with this was a TMS, this was, this was just something they, they accessed, but it's still, it's, it was very troubling to George that they were there in the first place. And so did, did the hackers start releasing the data? Did, did George pay um, the ransomware? So this, this attack ha- happened back in January, and one of the things that uh, – so I, I spoke extensively with, with George about this, and I just want to say this with a full caveat that George is not his real name, and he agreed to, to talk to me on the condition that, it, it, that his name or that of his company is not published, and he's you know, very scared of the implications uh, you know, for the business of this getting out that they were hitting a ransomware attack, and they're also really worried – about uh, the hackers getting them again. And this is, a, this is a small company with about 25 trucks and they're in a small town somewhere in the US. George, by his own admission, that the company had not really sort of got, had not gotten like fully up to speed with their tech. And one of the things that they had not uh, fully migrated was their dispatch system. The, the thing that you're actually sort of sending trucks like back and forth, that they had not gone over to a digital system. So that was not tapped in with sort of the rest of their systems in the same way. And he still was also doing some manual tracking of loads and customers, just this random Excel spreadsheet. So the result of this is that they were in a, in a much easier position to bounce back. 
And so as they were dealing with this and he was talking to the insurance company and his IT service provider, you know, it became clear that the 300000 that was being demanded, and he received information that he could probably get this ransom down by maybe 40% or so, that even when you, that discounted ransom, he, he looked at the numbers and said, well, you know, it's going to be cheaper that with the amount that they're asking, we could replace all of our, all of our IT systems and equipment and probably have money left over. And so he decided to just to say no and deal with the consequences of having this data put out. And the hackers did, in fact, make good on their threat, and they posted a fair amount of data to the dark web. And this is to one of these leak sites that a number of these groups maintain, where they seek to both extort and embarrass companies that they've targeted in a ransomware attack. And do you know the name of the ransomware group that was behind this attack? Well, I do know the name of it, and uh, I elected not to disclose that in part because George is very worried about getting somehow personally targeted by this group. And, and I will say that I think that, it, that it's understandable where he's coming from. I, I would say that it's probably a very, it's, it's an unlikely scenario because these groups are really, you know, I think when you're the victim of one of these groups, it feels very personal. It feels like you're being singled out. But the reality is these attacks are, are done because there is uh, malware that is put out on a very massive scale, oftentimes really through other successful attacks that allow um, you know, all sorts of distribution channels for getting other companies infected. And so I think particularly with a smaller company um, such as George's company, there, it's not like there's someone sitting down and thinking, oh, you know, this such and such a trucking company we are going to hit them. We're going to hit them hard. I think you definitely are going to see this with some much bigger companies that have a lot of money. But I think it, it leaves you understandably shaken and paranoid when this has happened to you because they've really, they've just, they've gotten, they get all the way in and they can really see anything that you can see if you're like, you know, the boss of a company who maybe has full administrative privileges. And so when you're left with this, you're thinking, oh my God, what are they going to do to me? And the, I guess the it's and it's hard to, to I think if this has happened to you, it's hard to sort of sit back and say, okay, they're you know in practice they're they've got other things to worry about. They're not going to circle back to me. But I think that that's that's sort of where George is coming from. And you know, I spoke to him. It was about a month after this happened, and he was still really, I mean, understandably shaken up about what happened. So did the company upgrade their equipment after this happened, you know, to protect, did they have to rebuild all of their network? So the short answer is like, not, not, not surprisingly, they have stepped up their, their uh, site. They've stepped up their cybersecurity game in the wake of this, uh, this attack. I think it's not, it's not very surprising. And and you commonly see this where, uh, a company or, you know, where you see like a trucking company, which maybe didn't care about their cybersecurity, it happens to them and suddenly it's like they get religion. And that's really what George described happening. And by by his own admission, they were not like they had, they did have some security, but they were not really thinking this was something that was like that, that they needed to like be fully on point with. And so as a result, like he didn't want to get into the ins and outs of what their, what their countermeasures are. 
but they've basically they've gotten the platinum plan from their provider now and they've also taken out a more robust insurance policy um, so that they'll be in a better position in the future but I think that they they will uh, whether whether this would you know you can't say that this would necessarily prevent another attack from happening but i think you're, you when you put more countermeasures in place you make it harder and i think if you're a small company in particular you know you, you think about sort of deterring someone from uh you know stealing your car that the more things you have in place could a could ultimately a thief get into your car and steal it but if you've got like you know an alarm a low jack and like you know a steering wheel locking device you're really going to have to be committed to getting in. And I think in for the most cases, a smaller company, you know, that, that extra deterrence can be helpful, but it's definitely not going to, not going to be impervious, but I think they're in much, you know, this trucking company is in much better shape than they were before this happened. Do you think as far as these smaller carriers that there's this mentality that they're, why would a hacker want to, you know, come after um, data from a, like a 25 truck operation versus, you know, a, a company that has thousands of tr- hundreds or thousands of trucks. Well, well, absolutely. And that, that was something that George had said to me. He was saying, you know, before this happened, like, I just wouldn't think that we'd be on their radar. Like, why would they want to bother? But the, the reality is, is that, that it's the small businesses in particular that are, by some measures, the ones that are more frequently uh, targeted by successful ransomware attacks because they're often um, not as well protected as a bigger company, and they may be more likely to pay. Even though if the, the sums are not going to be as large if you take a, a big corporation, because when you think about this, that it, you, you consider if you're a, a 25 truck operation, three hundred thousand dollars is a massive amount of money. If you're a big company that gets targeted in, in one of these ransomware attacks and you have cases of demands of like $20 million, it certainly is real money and it's consequential. But when you're a major corporation, it's different. And so I think that that's the thing that there's this, there's this false sense of security from being a smaller company. And I think that part of this also has to do with maybe not a, the, the best understanding of what it means when a company is hit with, with one of these attacks because I think it's it's easy to sort of to think of it if, if this happens to you, you're thinking, oh, there's like a hacker somewhere in a basement and they're like, they're looking at, you know, this company and saying, yeah, we're going to go after this. But the reality is a bit more complex, but it's generally speaking, you just have all these sort of like feelers that are put out on a massive scale. And a lot of this is automated. And so when some malware finds it, finds its way in, someone working on behalf of uh, a ransomware gang or a you know someone who's directly part of one of these or these criminal organizations says okay we're gonna do something we're gonna extort it and move on um, and so I think the result of that is that you it doesn't even matter um, if you're out there you don't need to have a website even there are cases of companies without websites that get attacked just by virtue of the fact that they are exchanging information with the outside world. So how did these hackers get access to the TMS system? George suspects that they probably just simply got the login credentials from inside uh, one of the carrier systems. And what I will say is that it's not like, it's not that remarkable from like a uh, sort of, 
a hacker standpoint that they were able to get there. So this carrier used a TMS called Ascend TMS, and it's a it's a very prevalent uh, system used in trucking and logistics. It's a web, it's based on the web. It's cloud based, and so the result of that though is just that on the one hand, it's all it's kind of it's it's not going to be on premises. But if you're in a situation where hackers are able to compromise your systems, then in the case of these ransomware attacks, frequently it's the case they're able to be a user just as you as the trucking company owner may be a user. And it means that they're able to access anything that you can access. And so what that means is that it bypasses a lot of traditional uh, security measures that it's not like, for instance, you know, that someone okay, steals, a, uh, steals the credentials of your TMS, and then it's like you've got some user in like Belarus or something, not to single out Belarus for anything, that is like logging into the TMS and messing around with it, that this is originating from legitimate customers. And so what it means is that these kind of breaches are, are very difficult to detect because they are, you know, in, in real terms, they're indistinguishable in oftentimes from what a normal legitimate user is doing because it is a legitimate user in in the sense of the word uh, doing it. And I spoke to the CEO of InMotion Global, which is the company that makes Ascend, the TMS that this carrier used. His name is Tim Higgum. And what he said is that, you know, in their experience that it's far more common for them to see these small trucking companies hit in these kind of cyber attacks just because they tend to have fewer resources devoted towards cybersecurity. And what he said from their, their perspective, that there's they are always vigilant about looking for ways that, uh, for trying to detect malicious use. I mean, what he said is that it's, it's still very rare that hackers themselves are trying to mess around with the TMS, that it's often things like disgruntled employees but he said that this is something that they are they take very seriously and that they have, you know, various measures in place, including triple redundancy in their systems. And they also have uh, uh, countermeasures like looking for things like uh, malicious code being uploaded to their systems. Um, but in terms of like an, this happening to an individual user, I mean, what they recommend, of course, is that individual companies you know, need to have certain security measures in place. That includes something called two-factor authentication, which basically means you're not just able to access something by using a login and password. That it does require you to have uh, to like it's all, whether it's an email or a text message somewhere that you have to click through. And so, having these additional me- measures, it makes it much less likely that someone's going to mess around with the TMS. And so, how did um, how do they think that the hackers got into the system. Um, you, you had mentioned something about login credentials, but did did they leave some kind of, um, you know, phishing email that somebody clicked on? You know, that's always what, you know, the first thing that, you know, in training, you know, that companies train is like, if you see a suspicious um, email, don't, don't click on it or, you know, or whatever. But how did they how did they gain access to the system well george isn't isn't sure i don't think they they haven't done the kind of the level of forensic analysis that that you know one might do to to get to the bottom of this that they were really trying to just get 
get this thing purged and get up and running again. But I would say that the, his assumption, however, is that this was some kind of, of phishing email. And it may, it may be the case that George is right, that it was a phishing email. But the thing about phishing and ransomware attacks is that you know, phishing does account for, by by some measures, the single uh, largest source of these attacks. But that doesn't mean that they are they have that's sort of the only way. You know, there's still a huge number of these attacks that get in through all sorts of other compromises. Uh, a very common way is a very common way is when there are holes essentially in remote access connections. Uh, anyone who's familiar with using Citrix, which is a common sort of remote uh, networking utility, it's very common for hackers to find just holes in, say, like a Citrix connection and to get in. And on the, to- on the topic of phishing, it is, it is certainly true that there are phishing attempts can sometimes seem very obvious when you have someone sending this like that you've never heard of sending this random email and you click this like very dodgy link. That's sort of what we think about with phishing. But the reality with phishing is, especially with these ransomware attacks, is that they can be quite sophisticated. They can originate from a company that, uh, say, a trucking company, a customer that a trucking company does business with. It can look or even originate from there. It can be from a user they know. It can use language that they're familiar with. And so... Yes, on the, it's really important that everyone at a company is trained to identify bad emails and not click on them, but that's really not gonna that's not gonna tell the whole story. And I think the other part of this is that a single phishing email really should not bring down a company that is not necessarily as, as widely appreciated as it should be. The companies have to look at their own security in a different way. And that it's not just about guarding the front door. They have to think about the countermeasures inside their company and having a plan in place. If there is a ransomware attack where they have their systems encrypted and compromised, how do they mitigate that quickly and how do they get up and running quickly? So how is George doing now? Is he confident that his system is up and running and that there's been no traces left behind you know, that a hacker could get back into the system, his system? George is doing a lot better than he was before. I mean, he, I think he's still, George, I think is still thinking about what could have happened and how this could have been worse, what he could have done differently. The the reality is, is that they, they actually, that this was, this was a pretty good scenario as far as a company getting a, getting breached like this, that, they had a couple of days where things were things were really um, kind of in a bad way for them, but they did not have like a, ver- a serious disruption of their transportation operations. The thing that George is really worried about is that he had to send a bunch of letters out to customers, letting them know that their that their data was compromised. And so I think he's he's really hoping that this is not going to result in in them losing business. They are being proactive and trying to be compliant with the many uh, state and federal laws that mandate notification in these cases. And hopefully that that transparency will help with those customer relationships. And I think he does feel very good about where they are from a, from a cybersecurity standpoint, they're in a much better position. And as far as what you mentioned about how confident they, they feel, I think he feels confident uh, that, that they, they got past this, but I will say that, 
there are companies that sometimes have misplaced confidence after these attacks that they think that they've purged an attacker from their system. But it's actually not unusual for hackers to leave backdoors in place that are not detectable. You really have to be quite, quite diligent uh, about what you do with your systems to really purge them, to rebuild them, and to make sure that you're working with a a cybersecurity partner that understands the nature of these threats and how to get rid of them. And so that, that I think is, is an open question, but I, I do hope that for their sake that they, they are past this. You've been listening to Long Haul Crime Log from Freight Waves. You can find more episodes by searching for Long Haul Crime Log wherever you get your podcasts. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and just about anywhere else. And if you like us and want us to grow, you should subscribe. Maybe even give us a rating. But tell your friends, tell your colleagues, we are building this podcast up and we want as many people to listen to it. So please do share it. We're also on Twitter now. Our handle is Long Haul Crime. And if there's anyone out there who has a story that they would like to share with us for inclusion in the show, they should send us an email to crime at freightwaves.com. And we're we're talking to you, all the truckers out there who have seen some crazy things. If you want to be on the show or just want your, your story shared on the show, we really do want to hear from you. Tune in next week for more stories from the dark side of trucking.